Hey, hi, hello, how are you? And welcome back to Watch It Again, the podcast where we get through 101 movies to see before you die. As always, I am your host, Jacob, and with me are... I'm Kat. I'm Nick. And I'm James. And this week it is Kat's turn, but I am going to interrupt oh, for a couple died? of minutes oh, beforehand. Here we go. Oh, so I I'm going to read out an article about the passing of one of the most, I guess you could say, important figures in the development of pop culture of our time. Um, so the article is titled, Not Just Darth Vader, The Rich Life of David Prowse, The Man Behind the Mask. And I'll link it obviously below, but I'm just going to kind of go through it a bit here. So a couple of days ago, probably about a week before this comes out, um, David Prowse passed away. Um, many actors dislike being defined entirely by their most famous role. David Prowse, who died Saturday at the age of 85, did not mind in fact, he craved more of it. In his words, he created Darth Vader, insisted to a London reporter after um, the release of the original Star Wars in 1997, his movements, his mannerisms are what I and no one else put into the character. Stung by what he, stung by what he saw as Lucasfilm's lack of recognition for his contribution, Prowse would spend the rest of his life poignantly signing photographs to fans, David Prowse is Darth Vader. Um, to be sure, Prowse's imposing height and commanding presence inside the costume brought an extra level of menace to the most famous villain in movie history. But his insistence on ownership um, led the fact that Vader was a true composite character, created by George Lucas, imagined by Ralph McQuarrie, the artist that gave us the mask, costumed in motorcycle leather by John Mollo, with scuba mask breathing added by sound designer Ben Burt, and voiced by James L. Jones. That credit irked Prowse more than any other. He went to his grave believing he should have done the voice, which, of course, he did in the original cut until James L. Jo- Jones' voice was put on top, and he went to theatres in 1977 thinking it was going to be his voice. They didn't even tell him. They didn't no. tell him until Vader first spoke, and he did not hear himself. Um, That's really rough. So he was born in Bristol in 1935, part uh, of what is known as the West Country of England, where residents have distinct rural accent. He never lost it, hence the crew on Star Wars calling him Darth Farmer. <laughs> um, tragically, Prowse's father died when Prowse was eight after what was supposed to be a routine ulcer operation. His mother had to take to lodges to make ends meet. Prowse, already a budding athlete, took to eating all their leftovers and <laughs> to meet his massive calorie requirements. At age 13, a bout of tuber- sorry, tuberculosis required him to have um, walking splints, which helped increase his height from 5 feet 9 inches to 6 feet 3 inches. He finally topped out at 6 feet 7 inches, by which time he was well on his way to being an elite bodybuilder. Um, it's an extraordinary rags to riches tale. Prowse started as... His first Charles Atlas course training in a uh, coal shed, and his fundraise and um, had to fundraise for supplements and weights. After years, he could deadlift six hundred and sixty pounds. That's a lot. What's that in kilos? Someone, James. He was the he was the British on, <laughs> heavyweight weightlifting champion from nineteen sixty two through to sixty four, and toured Europe. Rubbing shoulders with up um, and cup up and coming Arnold Schwarzenegger, a, mus- a muscle magazine company hired him to help start a new weightlifting sales business in London. This was harder than it sounds, and at the time when gyms weren't even around, three hundred kilograms. Fire Holy out. Jesus! That's a lot. Like right on the dot. Um, that was enough. Prowse inked a contract, among others, with a world famous Harrods department store. He started a magazine called Power, founded his own gym, and signed up with stunt performer agency called Tough Guys, which brought his first acting gigs. Um, his first ever acting gig was a commercial for Kit Kat in 1965, in which he played a Viking warrior. And for one evening as a fake bodyguard for the infamous London gangsters, the Cray Twins. That's it, just saying, that's a, that's a great. Um, stunt stunt company yep. name. Tough guys. <laughs> um, tough guys also led him to Hammer, the production company synonymous with horror movies, where Prowse first worked with his future Star Wars co-star Peter Cushing. 
the award-winning sale-making physical presence turned out to be the perfect for the big screen. And Prowse had a sudden succession of roles in the early 1970s that would make him any that would make any jobbing actor proud. He was Frankenstein's monster in three separate movies. He was a minotaur in Doctor Who, and when Stanley Kubrick needed a burly character for his ultra-violent adaptation of A Clockwork Orange, a bodyguard for the writer whose home is invaded by the Droogs, Prowse was the obvious choice. That role would later attach the attention of a Kubrick fan called George Lucas. By the time Prowse would interview with Lucas for the role of the then-unknown Star Wars villain, he had already well-known to a generation of children and would be for another two decades as the Green Cross Code Man. Um, It's hard to deny that the Green Cross Code Man was Britain's best-known homegrown superhero. Appealing constantly in uh, sorry, appearing constantly in ads in every comic book and on every commercial TV channel. His name came from the road safety behavior list the government was trying to drill into young minds. Prior to Prowse, the campaigner had been using a dusty old 1950s character, a squirrel called Tuffy Fluffy Tail. Green Cross Code Man was more arresting, literally, as he would teleport down from space to stop kids from running out into the middle of the street. The photo, like, there's a photo that goes with that. Right, so this is a very British Yeah, thing. oh, it's a very British when thing. when you said really famous, Kat and I looked at each other like, yeah, I have well, never no, heard of this. No, it is, but, like, the costume is the most, like, British thing you could possibly think that this would look like. <laughs> like, it's, this, it's like a giant Power Rangers suit with no helmet. And this is a big, literal big green cross on, like, huge white shoulder padded suit. Like, it is just <laughs> ridiculous to look at. Um. Who knows how many young lives Prowse might have saved simply by standing with his hands on his hips in green and white spandex while imploring a generation to stop, look, listen and think. Some 40,000 kids per year were involved in traffic injuries or deaths at the start of the campaign and at its end, 14 years later, the number was 20,000. Prowse later described it all as a spiritual pinnacle of my show business career. For Prowse, the only downside in the foreshadowing of Star Wars troubles was the campaign felt the need to dub over his voice. So Prowse's on-screen career continued after Star Wars. He appeared in Terry Gilliam's film Jabberwocky, he played a, where he played a bodyguard again, in the BBC TV adaptation of Douglas Adams' Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Given the bot, um, that the body he is assigned to guard is an intergalactic rock star who is spending a year legally dead for tax purposes, is probably Prowse's funniest role. And so by the time director Richard Donner was casting the title role in Superman, it did not seem unreasonable that Prowse, that he might have a chance of playing another superhero. He'd already played Superman in an ad for Max Factor. Um, after all, couldn't they just dub an American accent over him? Because it's happened twice so far that he's had, you know, people dub over the top of him. Um, Prowse was um, incensed to discover that Donner merely wanted him as Christopher Reeve's personal trainer. He nevertheless agreed, and Reeves' impressive physique in the movie was the result. Although the star uh, was the result, although the star was sorry, the star was furious um, himself when Prowse had to leave for a couple of weeks for a pre-existing commitment to train the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia. It was another scheduled trip around this time touring America in 1978 to promote himself as Darth Vader that first earned Prowse the ire of Lucasfilm. In an interview in the Berkeley Comic Store, a reporter of the San Francisco. Prowse said that the latest Star Wars films would reveal that Vader to be Luke Skywalker's father, given that the script for The Empire Strikes Back hadn't been written yet. This was an ent- either a lucky guess or Lucas had been very indiscreet about his potential plans on the set of the first movie. Sometimes you get in trouble for speculating, Prowse told um, in 2013, when he was tracked down at a comic book convention, determining to find the truth of the Berkeley interview. It was the closest he'd come to explaining it. Years of Bloodwell with Lucasfilm had flowed from the moment he supposedly been given fake dialogue read on the set of Empire. Obi-Wan is your father and partially replaced his fencing coach in Return of the Jedi over paranoid fears that he would leak plots to newspapers. Um, he nursed his grievance over this and the lack of any share in the profits of Jedi to the point where he was barred from official Lucas and Disney events in 2010. It was a sad outcome for a literal giant of cinema. But Prowse was lucky to um, fed by fans and unofficial conventions around the world world a source of success as he beat back multiple bouts of severe arthritis and prostate cancer 
Um, he denied reports that he was suffering from dementia. Though he retired from country in 2016, his towering presence will be remembered for years to come. So I thought I'd include that because obviously like he was such a big part of bringing the character of Darth Vader to life. We know how much important Star Wars was to the development of the summer blockbuster and things like that and, you know, um, just how iconic yeah. life in yeah. general. <laughs> and just like how iconic... You know, the character is. of Darth Vader is like that. In terms of physical look. Pretty far up there. Yeah, he's probably the most iconic villain of Anything, all time. Yeah. It's a shame yeah. he was screwed over so much. Yeah, it really is like upsetting that he drifted, like, you know, him and Lucasfilm never really saw eye to eye by the end of the original trilogy. And Well, they made his deal, like, his deal for getting royalties was like he gets a certain amount of the gross, but the gross on net profit for like all the movies, but yeah. like, they were just do like accounting trickery to be like, oh, no, we didn't make a profit. And they just, yeah, kind of never got paid again, I yeah. don't think. It's such a cowardly move to not telling him that, oh, yeah, by the way, we're, we're using James L. Jones' voice. Yeah, he wasn't told. He here. went. To, he took yeah. – I can't remember yeah. who it was, but he, it was like a daughter or someone, like a family member to the movies. To sit and, and, like, and then he's To not, watch it. I mean, he's in like, it, but yeah. he's not. And he's like, like yeah. it's me. And then the first time Darth Vader speaks, he was like, That's not my what voice. the fuck? That's not me. Yeah. And it was just like, but you said it was going to be you. Yeah. Have you heard the That's footage sad. of, like, there's footage yeah. you can find of his voice. and Yeah. Yeah, like, it's obviously it's Darth not. Darth Farmer. It's, yeah, it's, it's not James <laughs> L. Jones, but it's, you know. Yeah. yeah. All right, well, on that note, I'll hand over to Kat to uh, take it away. Hi, guys. Hi, <laughs> Kat. <laughs> Good to see you here. <laughs> um, so this week we all watched, except for Nick. Bloody hell, Nicholas. <laughs> all about. Bus me. <laughs> Under. Thanks, Kat. So we um, were all meant to watch Almost Famous. Can I, I, I will stick up for Nick here in that we were meant to do a double episode and watch the thing that we watched next week, and Kat and I didn't watch that properly. So, mm. But mm. Nick did. I did because I was going <laughs> to report I did. on it. Yeah, yeah you're, <laughs> you're, you're always the good boy, Jake. But and I'm just saying a, we can't. It was a great we can't except for that one much. time that I didn't. The secret one. Oh, Jacob, it's fine. Keep <laughs> bragging about it. Yeah. No. I didn't want to. I just wanted to say it's a bit unfair to Nick. Please continue, yeah. Kat. Sorry. So yeah, we watched Almost Famous. Um, so yes. for those who don't know, <gasps> Nick. <laughs> <laughs> It's a coming of age slash comedy drama film written and directed by Cameron Crowe. Um, it was released in 2000 and had a budget of $60 million. However, it only made $47.4 million. Sorry, this movie had a budget of $60 million. Yeah. The fuck did they spend it on? Probably the music rights. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, it's not an expensive looking movie. Is I was going to say, it's not an expensive cast. Yeah, I mean... True. Not for the time. What, Kate Hudson what was year up is and it? coming. 2000. Yeah, Kate Hudson was 2000. only 20. 21, wasn't she? Yeah. I think she was born in 1980. I was going to say that's before my name as well. So yeah. <laughs> Jason Lee didn't get that money. No. Can I guess the plot from what I've seen? Okay, yep, sure. yep. Okay, before we go into it, Nick, guess what happens in this film. See, before I watched anything. Wait, I have thought, you seen the trailer? No. Okay. I've seen like some like rough clips of it. But okay. um, I thought, I don't know what I thought it was. I thought it was like a high school rom-com, like an American Pie type thing, <laughs> but like slightly darker. But and obviously better for being on the list. Yeah, uh, yeah, I guess. But um, I, uh, okay, I assume the kid in it. Yep. The kid is sent to hang out on the road with this band and write an article about them, but it's all, they, they all kind of fabricate it and they're like, oh, no, nah, we're like this, but they're actually not like that. And uh, in the end, the lead singer tells the truth and the kid makes an article telling the truth about them being almost famous. You're reasonably He's close. so close. Yeah. You're so close. close. There's some things in that that are spot on, <laughs> but you just got the middle bit slightly off. Yeah. Okay. And surprisingly, I- it's not the lead singer that's the, the big guy in the band. Yeah. Yeah. You were so close to Nick. I'm actually like genuinely impressed. Oh, and for a second I was like, maybe he has seen it and he's messing with us. <laughs> but then you said one thing. I'm like, no, he hasn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, despite coming in at a loss in the box office, the film re- received widespread critical acclaim um, and received four Academy Awards nominations, including a win for Best Original Screenplay. Um, it was also awarded the 2001 Grammy Award for Best Compilation 
soundtrack album for a motion picture. Um, and it also won two Golden Globe Awards for Best Motion Picture, Musical or Comedy and Best Supporting Actress for Kate Hudson. It does have a fucking good soundtrack. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I will really, give it that. Really like good. It's mm. <laughs> Shut up, Nick. 70s, <laughs> 70s rock. It's, oh, yeah. it's set in the 70s also. Yeah. Oh, right. that. Yeah, it looks very 2000s though. Well, like, it was shot in 2000s. Yeah, yeah. but like, it, yeah. Um, Whatever. So, <laughs> so Crow based the story, so he wrote it obviously um, and directed it and he based in the story obviously. on his own experiences as a teenager writing for Rolling Stone and touring with rock bands. What a fucking life. I know. Um, so this is quoting directly from The Guardian because they wrote a little piece about yep. it because it's been 20 years since its release. Um, so many of the details of William's background um, are drawn directly from Crow's life. His mother, played by Frances McDormand, was a professor. He skipped three grades in school, ensuring an awkward pubescence in high school. Um, his youthful appearance allowed him at 22 to go undercover as a senior to help write his novel Fast Times at Ridgemont High. And he did correspond with Bangs, the editor of Cream magazine, and wrote his first Rolling Stone cover story, on the Allman Brothers Band at age 16. So, yeah, it's semi-autobiographical, which is pretty cool. It's pretty cool because it's an exciting story. Yeah, yeah. So, speaking of the story, shall we go through the plot for poor young Nicholas over there? Poor bit or Nicholas. <laughs> go for it, Caitlin. Yeah, why not? <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. There is tension here. I'm not liking this energy. <laughs> Nick's about to be thrown off the balcony. Literally thrown under a bus. Um. I think I. T- <laughs> that did sound I don't know if I take the bus or the balcony. To be honest, go to the balcony. It's not like that far down. But I feel like the bus, like that's it. I can tell you, someone has jumped off my balcony and survived. Is it lucky? No. <laughs> Was it you? <laughs> no. Oh. Do we know them? <laughs> Probably not. Okay, well, what, what's then. a better story though? The guy that jumped off a balcony that high and died, <laughs> jumped in front of a bus, or got thrown in front of a bus. And uh, I'll take the bus. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds cooler. And hopefully I'll have like some sort of ironic ad on the side of it. Like a, <laughs> like a suicide hotline or something. <laughs> <laughs> White lady funerals. <laughs> oh, yes. Let's let's get back on track, guys. I think this is taking a That's a great tangent. <laughs> so okay. in 1969, Proud Child. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'm just going to start that sentence again. In 1969... I'm sure Jacob will edit around it. Oh, definitely will not. In 1969... Yep. Picture it. um, Child prodigy William Miller struggles to fit in. Uh, His life is further complicated after learning that his widowed college professor mother, Elaine, has falsely led him to believe he is 12 years old. William is actually 11, having started the first grade at five years old and skipping fifth grade. Strong-willed Elaine's strict ban on rock music and pop culture influence that she fears have a negative effect on her children finally drives William's 18-year-old sister, Anita, to move to San Francisco and become a flight attendant. <sighs> also, like, that's so so additional and, like, it blew my mind. Yeah, she's because it was, so like, young. What, six years? What, New Girl's, like, 2006 or whatever it is that started. No, New Girl's, like, 2011 or yeah, something. No, like, season like, one. Yeah. yeah. Is it? Yeah, oh, my yeah. brain hurts. Yeah. Yeah. She's, only she's also an elf, which we were talking about oh, true. before we started. Uh, like, that's so weird. Like she just She just pops up in things. She looks like she was yeah, 2011. always like yeah. she looks like she was always like twenty five and she But she does not look twenty five no. in this. She looks eighteen. Yeah, yeah oh, in right. this she does she look yeah. yeah, she looks she looks very young. A lot younger. Right. But you'd immediately pick that it's Does right. she oh, have yeah. the same like voice like the yeah. No, oh, that, eh, like. it's very. Her <laughs> in this she? is very different to her in New Girl. Oh yeah, but like even like the voice is different. Mm. Was, yeah, I, I see she's what you mean. Like in the from like two thousand five to now, she's very similar the whole time. Yeah, like the Keanu Reeves effect. She found her like acting like what she's good at, her and she was niche. has been typecast yeah. since. Yeah, it's mm. what always happens. But it's good. Yeah, she plays them well. Yeah, dorky chicks. Anyway, um, also, can I just comment on how William finds out his actual age? <laughs> just so sitting in the back of the car. <laughs> he's just, his reaction's like, oh, what the hell? <laughs> <He's just> like, <laughs> 11? <laughs> what? Because <laughs> you missed out, Nick. There's mm. this little montage of all the boys grooming their moustaches and he's just there, <laughs> just 
looking at himself because he hasn't got any hair on his face. So they're all like... Because he's 11. And they're all like 13, so he yeah. thinks he's a year younger than them. So like, <laughs> it's like, no, you're two years younger than He's like, oh, this explains like full, so much. He's like a full head shorter yeah. than everyone. Anyway. It's pretty funny. So then it cuts to 1973. William, who is now 15 and influenced by Anita's secret... Um, Does he have facial hair? <laughs> yeah, can we, can we just acknowledge the fact that it's been four years, but it's a new actor who's like seven years older than the previous one, and mm. it shows. Well, he was 19. Yeah, and like it, it shows <laughs> that he I is. I mean, it's believable, I think. He's, he's it'd be very believable that he could be 15. Yeah. But it's not believable that four years ago he looks yeah. like the other kid. No, 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 that's, that's quite fair. <laughs> that is not uh, a four-year change. I think they did pretty well, though, at making yeah. a 19-year-old look. Oh yeah, it was the, fifteen. Yeah, I know it's not that big of a gap, but they it's, just it's very it now. Yeah, just yeah. <laughs> CG off the facial hair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just slightly de-age the eighteen-year-old. Always worked out great in cinema. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, William's now fifteen. He has Anita's old collection of rock albums and aspires to be a rock journalist, writing freelance articles for underground papers in San Diego. Rock journalist Lester Bangs, impressed with William's writing, gives him a $35 assignment to review a Black Sabbath concert. William is barred from backstage until the opening band Stillwater arrives and William flatters his way in. Lead guitarist guitarist (laughs) Russell Hammond takes a liking to him and his new acquaintance veteran groupie Penny Lane, who has taken William under her wing. I really enjoyed that the the scene where they um where he like sucks up to the van in order to yeah. try and get in and the bouncer that just kept keep like yeah. won't, let him, won't let him in. Um. So despite behaving as stereotypical stereotypical groupies, Penny Lane insists she and her friends are band aids, a term she invented to describe female fans that are more that are there from that are there more for the music than for the rock stars themselves. But blowjobs are okay. Yeah, they specify they don't fuck them. They just they just do blowjobs. But then, like twenty minutes later, she fucks one of them. I guess so. It's just and like the other one was fucking my name is Earl. I was like, oh, you are technically just groupies. You're just trying to make justify to yourself that you're not. Band aids is a cooler Mm. is a is a better pun though. Yeah, I like it. Wait, why band aids? Band aids. Oh, because they're there to assist the band in all their needs. All, All their needs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, From head to toe. Wow. Um, <laughs> Wait, was that, was is that, that a reference a really to the bad, movie? What? Is that not a really bad joke? No, I was just literally meaning all that. Oh, my apologies then. Never mind. <laughs> so Rolling Stone editor Ben Fong Torres believes believing William is older hires him um, – to write an article about Stillwater and sends William on the road with the band, which is pretty cool. Like, it's fucking sick. I'd enjoy that. Just like hiring, is that one that just hires him over the phone? Like, yeah, yeah just, just go for it. We'll pay you a thousand dollars. His voice you goes are. like, yeah. yes. Yeah, <laughs> puts on the puts deep on a voice. deeper voice. Yeah. Um, oh, what, what college did you go to? Uh, and then his mum gets on the phone and it's just like, can you do this? Oh, and it's like, all right, it's all right. I know what my missus gets like when <laughs> I don't do stuff, I'll let you go. And it's like, yep. But I love that this guy's just like read one thing and yeah. then he gets on the phone to this guy he's never met and, and he's like, yeah, we'll pay you 700. And the guy doesn't say anything. Okay, 1,000. Yeah. Just Getting expenses card, don't let the band pay for anything. But then it's also like, he says, like, I've never written anything over, like, a thousand words in my life. This guy straight up asks, oh, it's 3,000 words. So I'll be able to get you an extra thousand words. So now it's four. And it's like, oh, God. That's, like, that's a very long essay. Yeah, that's a huge feature article. Mm. Like, is, th- is this how easy it was? journalism was? Like I know. Can I, can Sorry, I go back to the ago? 70s? Because my journalism degree is totally w- useful now. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, we know a fair few journalists here. How- Hi. <laughs> yeah, we're all journalists. It's really easy to just, you know, get a, get a, someone that will pay Did you a thousand dollars. Just get Rolling, no, Sto- we technically the Rolling are. Stone this editor. To we're, we're, yeah, true. But I, what are you, journalists? Yeah, but I have a degree in journalism, son. <laughs> I, a useless degree in journalism. Clearly uh, you're not sucking up to the right bands. <laughs> Literally. We're sucking up to the right bands. Hey. <laughs> no, thank you. I will not be a band-aid. No. I don't think they'd accept you as a band-aid, honestly. Depends. <laughs> Sorry. Ouch. I think they have a certain type. crushed his dreams. It depends who it is. True. true Sam true. Smith might be all about that life. <laughs> <laughs> so 
the first gay person that popped into my mind. I'm sorry. <laughs> Elton John, um, I don't know. So, yeah, he gets hired by Rolling Stone to go and write an article about Stillwater, who is a fictional band, even though they were – there was a band at the time – of making called Stillwater. I read I read that and they, they had they had to pay him off to use the name. Yeah. yeah. But <laughs> I think the lead guy was like, oh no, you can use it for free. And then someone was like, no, no. <laughs> Make him pay. Yeah, and they have to pay. <laughs> um so yeah. Um William interviews the members, but Russell repeatedly puts him off. Tensions between Russell and lead singer Jeff soon become evident and not helped at all by the band's first T-shirt, a full band shot that pictures Russell in full view while the rest of the band is virtually in shadows. Pretty, pretty Out shocking of focus band shadows. Yeah. <laughs> so bad. Pretty it's shocking band shirt. shirt as well. Yeah, yeah. But it's almost yeah. like when that like that happens that like the lead singer like knows that that's like he knew. Yeah. Like he's completely aware and he's just like, <laughs> like just doesn't care. Nick, you've got to watch this movie. I did see that part. Okay. So. Good. I, I get the reference. Yeah. Okay. There, there is like well, we, you guys we're approaching my most favourite. I mean, what are you watching next week? I've watched most of it. Yeah, nice. Oh, <laughs> you just gave it away. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> um. So William is jokingly called the enemy by the band because he's a journalist, but all the same begins to lose his objectivity as be, as he becomes integrated into their inner circle. So I think as journalists. We know you guys that would know you, you, you're not allowed to be biased like this. Yeah, you have yes. to stay objective. Can't I don't know? Let emotions sway your judgment. Well, I didn't watch this because I hate Kate Hudson. So oh, what? I'm Actually, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was going to say, what did Kate Hudson do to you? No, just making up some bias. <laughs> Kate Hudson shines in this, honestly. But Nick is showing some some good journalism there. Just make some make some shit up. <laughs> I mean, we do not practice that on this podcast. Like we're literally the most biased people. Like, but that's okay because it's for purpose of review and critique. We but literally say whether we like the movie. Yeah, exactly. Or <laughs> <laughs> this sucks. <laughs> this movie doesn't. That's 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 our, that's our new system. We say the movie sucks or it doesn't. <laughs> um. So. Objectively. Yeah, he kind of just becomes <laughs> one of them. He's not so much a groupie. He's more just like... It's one of the boys. Yeah. He's, he's of. part of the ensemble, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. Then he loses his virginity in a four, three-way? Four-way. Four, at four least way? four, possibly five-way? Nah. Um, no, what's she's the name? Doesn't join in. Yeah, the what? one that he actually likes. But he's 15. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. They're probably like 18, though, so it's fine. No, right. they're uh, 15. Are they? Yeah. That's nasty as fuck. I, I'd also like Penny to say Lane if, is 15. if they're 18, he's 15. That's Why is that more fucked? <laughs> no, I said if they're 15, that's like more fucked because the other band members that are like in oh, their like right. 20s are sleeping with them was what I was getting at. I get sorry. Right. I, I thought you were saying, you know, if a 15-year-old slept with a 15-year-old, that, that's okay. No, I was more thinking about the 15-year-old chicks and like the 25-year-old dudes in the band that, was that, what my brain was thinking. That's quite valid. I, I take it back. Mm. You're not cancelled yet, Jacob. No, that's just fucked up. <laughs> 15 year old, 15 year old. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, steady, Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> the Pan's record company hires Dennis, a professional manager, even though they already have a manager, but it's he's a bit shoddy. Jimmy and Fallon. And it's Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> Did you know? I was as soon as he walked that. in, I went, holy fuck, that's Jimmy <laughs> Fallon. <laughs> You know who I had that moment about? Who? So there's this other guy in the room with the editor of Rolling Stone, and that is Rain Wilson. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know. Because I looked too. at it and I was like, Rain? Yeah. Rain? Because I've been watch. I've, I've almost and finished the And he looked at the camera and went, yes, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> I clicked, that clicked for me as soon as he spoke. Yeah. It's like visually I didn't, and then he started speaking, and I was like, holy fuck. Mm. I had to like do a quick Google because I was yeah. like, surely not. But no, no, but yeah, no, as soon as Jimmy Fallon walked into that room, I was like, huh, Jimmy Fallon's in this. It's weird. <laughs> he was in movies. Jimmy Fallon as an actor. Like. But like, that's what he was doing like before he had that, like, that's where he came from. Is he in many yeah. things? Around this time, like early 2000s, he yeah. just pops up in random shit huh. all the time. Mm. Okay. He's good in this, yeah, though. Yeah. He's good Quite in a good lot in of this. things. Like, yeah, I, it's I had not no idea he was anything mm. other than, well, like, talk show host, essentially. Mm. He's also on the Universal Studios tour. 
on that. Or you know how the thing is in in Jurassic World? He's just trying to relate to the movie. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to be involved. Yeah, he does. You're doing well, buddy. What is it? Nick, uh, Sorry, uh, I really <laughs> just cut you down. I, I didn't you know really did. Um, at Universal Studios in LA, he like he like comes up on the screen when you're on the bus, and he's like, "Hey, it's me, Jimmy Fallon," and he like talks about every set you go to. Oh. Kind of annoying. It was when I was like <laughs> really annoyed by Jimmy Fallon, and <laughs> him laughing at everything. Were you like 19 at the time? I was 20. Oh, same. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But, like, I, I had a conversation, like, right before, like, oh, my God, I hate I hate Jimmy Fallon. He just laughs at everything. And then, like, 20 minutes later, I got on that ride and he was, like, he just pops up and I was stuck with him for an hour. And I was, like, no. He looks the same as my boss at the video shop. Like, they could be the same person. And it's really weird. And we used to always make jokes. We used to always have, like, the Tonight Dough, the Ben and Jerry's, like, ice cream when we had our Ben and Jerry's freezer there. Ooh, and rich, all the rich customer, boy. And, like, the customer was like, can I have the matte ice cream, please? Because, like, it looked like my boss. Like, they are the same person. It's fucking weird. But anyway, that's my You're going to have to bring in a photo. Just You keep going. So I'll bring it up for everyone. Okay. Make, make that the, so, the socials image for this week. <laughs> he so would hate that because he <laughs> listens to this. <laughs> I'm at. So, yeah, the band... Band's record company hires Jimmy Fallon to handle problems with venues and promoters. His girlfriend, Leslie, will join them. Um, and <laughs> Oh, my Jacob's God. Jacob's showing, showing us a photo, and yes, he does yeah. look no, like he, he looks he, like more like um, no, that's Jimmy Django Fallon. Fett. He looks like <laughs> yeah, his name. Anyway, so a beardless and moustacheless Jimmy Fallon. Yep. I see it. And slightly older, I'm guessing. <laughs> I disagree. That's no, younger. Fett. Oh, never mind. Is <laughs> they like... I don't know, it's 40. And much more gorgeous. Of course. Oh, I'll cover yeah. myself there. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, carrying on. Um, we already got his download. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get a message about this, hi, Matt. <laughs> so they're all going to New York and Penny has to leave. Um, but then she and a few of the other Band-Aids are gambled away in another to another band in a poker game. Um, so fucked up. It yeah. really is. Here, have this group of 15-year-olds. For a case of beer and what was it? Like 50 bucks. Well, yeah. We decided they were 18, didn't we? No, they're 15. No, they're 15. Oh, yeah. okay. Because I, I looked it up. Yeah. And in the story, they're 15. Yeah. Okay. yeah. The and actresses are all actually 18. It's, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. No, Kate Hudson was 21. Yeah, it's, it's fine. And like, it's loosely based off a, a true thing from yeah. Cameron Crowe's life. Yeah. Mm. Um, so Penny <laughs> acts nonchalant but is devastated. Meanwhile, Dennis charters a small plane so the band can play more gigs. This... Plane scene is the best. It's my yeah. favorite scene of the entire movie, just mm-hmm. because of how it ends. Oh, mm-hmm. does the guy say like he's gay just, or something? Yeah. And it was yes. probably really funny because it's it fucking. Hel- it's no, but even now, the context of that scene when he says that it's fucking hilarious. It's still pretty good. Yep. Um. Do we talk about the plane? Not yet. Okay. So Penny shows up uninvited at the New York restaurant where the band is celebrating the news that they are to be featured on the cover of Rolling Stone. Um, Penny is asked to leave after Leslie noticed her attempts to get Russell's attention. Okay, staring at him like yeah. aggressively. Yeah, just like every every two seconds. Oh, hi! Just stare I, at him for like I'm ten straight seconds. Still here. <laughs> um, William chases her to her hotel, where he saves her from overdosing. Um, on I don't know how to say that word. It was a Q word, wasn't it? Qua- Qualids, quonals. Quor, uh, quaffles. Fuck if I know. I don't know. Don't do drugs, kids. There's U's That's and A's what? and L's and Qu- it's too much. Qualids or something. Qualids. Um, you can tell how m- many drugs We're we so do. We're so cool. We do so many drugs, guys. <laughs> Speak for um, yourselves. <laughs> which don't was do drugs. a terrifying scene. Yeah. yeah. Like also, genuinely terrifying. Doesn't he like kiss her? Okay. I just want to talk about that because he calls the front desk for a doctor and then he's like, I'm going to go boldly glow, go where so many men have gone before and like starts kissing her while she's, and then she just drops to the floor practically unconscious and then like the doctor like runs into the room and it's like, were you about to like try and fuck her because like you called for help, like you knew someone was coming. I don't, I don't think no, that's the No, I don't think he thought he, she had passed out yet. Because it's like, yeah, imagine if they like, walked in and he's just like kissed her and then she dropped. 
I suppose it's, it's the seventies. It's, it's fine. A, it's a little, a little creepy, a regardless. Yeah. But a bit. The whole. I, if you. Like, I think he was just kiss, trying to kiss her. Not that it makes it okay, but yeah. But it's the setting. I'm, I'm going to boldly go where so many men have gone before. Like just She's call her 15. out. She can't even defend herself. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. Uh. And she gets a tube shoved down her throat. Oh, it's so gross. Yeah, it's so I, graphic. Yeah. I mean, it was it was fine as. It's scene, probably yeah. You probably need to see that. Don't because do drugs. I guess it's could die. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Anyway. Be high on life like the rest of us. The, <laughs> the the mum story from this is 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 the message of it. Don't do drugs. Yeah. And don't and don't do rock music. Yeah. It's bad. Kids. Stay away from Black Sabbath. The devil's work. Um. So yeah, while flying to another gig the following day, the band's plane <laughs> encounters severe weather. Believing the plane will crash, everyone confesses their secrets while Jeff and Russell's long simmering conflict erupt. William confesses his love for Penny after Jeff insults her. Do you want to say anything? Yeah, so everyone's just arguing, practically just venting all their shit to each other. If you're going to watch any scene in this movie, watch this this scene. It's It's fucking hilarious. They all genuinely think they're going to die. The pilot comes out from the cockpit and goes, oh, we're going to land in a field. Like to get out, like they're, like they're gonna have an emergency land. Like everyone thinks they're gonna die. Mm-hmm. The kid is shitting himself. Mm-hmm. Like everyone's just shitting himself. One of like the other, like my name is L band member, confesses that he fucked the main dude's wife. <laughs> and then she was like, "It doesn't count. It was in the summer when we had no rules and we could do whatever we, like we want." And the main dude's like, "Uh, what the fuck?" And then they just like, "My name is Elga." Like, just goes, "I still love you." And she's like, "What the fuck, man?" <laughs> and she just like shuts him down. And then she's arguing with like her husband, and they're all arguing. And then old mate, that's like the drummer. Yeah. this is his only line too in the in whole the movie. Entire <laughs> movie. Yeah, just suddenly chirps in, and you can see he's like, oh, 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 "I'm gay." And then they're all like, what? And then the fucking turbulence just stops and the father comes to the door. We're all going to be okay. It's fine. And everyone is just silent. And he's like, oh, fuck. I told everyone I didn't have to. And it's fucking hilarious. It's great. I hadn't even thought about the fact that it was it's his only line. Yeah. Do we get the – because there's four of them in the band. Other yeah. than the singer and our main boy, I can't remember his name. Oh, oh Russell. Russell. Other than Russell and the lead singer. And Jeff. Yeah. Jeff is the is that my lead name singer. Yeah, but who's the who's the other one other than them? Those two and the drummer. Does he get any lights? I yeah. Can't um, I could not tell you. Sorry. Yeah, no. He he talks at the door when they're trying to get in. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. And then yeah, he says a couple. I think he has a couple of yeah. conversations with the kid. Yeah. Yeah. True. Um. So yeah, the plane lands safely, um, leaving everyone to ponder the changed atmosphere. <laughs> so funny. Kind of, hey. It was because like, everyone's just in shock and the plane's still like turbulence and then it just calms out practically as soon as he says it. And he's like, oh, fuck. <sighs> when I tell you later how that story actually came about, you're probably going to be smiling a lot less. Oh, no. <laughs> Did someone actually die in a plane crash after coming out as gay? You'll have to wait. Oh, fuck. <laughs> um, so William arrives at the Rolling Stone office in San Francisco but has difficulty finishing the article. Seeking help, he calls Lester Bangs, who says William got caught up in belie- in being part of the band. Jacob can't stop I laughing can't get, at Lester Bangs. It is the fucking because <laughs> he's a journalist, right? Mm. So imagine you just like reading Cream magazine. Did you laugh at the at the years nineteen sixty nine as well? No, no, no. No, that was Nick. Never mind. No. <laughs> it's just funny because like it's just such a good movie name. Because, like, no, like, it's just like one of those names that, like, at the movie game, when you have it, you're like, that's funny. Okay, but no, I, I saw Lester Bangs. Who plays him? Is it? Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh. Yeah. But it's just, like, it's a good movie. Like, it's just one of those names, like, movie names, like, that's I think fu- like, I like that. I think he was a real person. Yeah. But it's Wasn't just, he? I don't know. But it's just a funny, like, oh, it's just a good name. It's a fucking good name. It's a great mm. one-star it, name. But it just taken. rolls off the tongue, like, really, like, Lester Bangs. Lester Bangs. Um, so yeah, he says William's perceived friendships with them are not real and advises him to be honest and unmerciful. Rolling Stone's editors rave over William's completed article, but when the magazine's fact checker calls the band, Russell lies to protect Stillwater's image and claims 90% is false. So this is where Nick got it wrong. Mm. 
Because he thinks that the kid's making it. You, you said the kid was making it up. But, but he, the kid wasn't, so they just denied it all because mm. the kid said the truth about everything. I love right. that the other the um, lady working at the thing is just like, the kid's made, made it up and no yeah. one even questions that the guy might be like at the bed. Yeah, and the other two are just like, yeah, fuck you. And if they walk out of the room, it's like, you wait, piece of shit, hang you on. This up. Yeah. Like, maybe not. Wait, no, that's what I meant. I meant like the band was like, oh, this is how we really are. And the kid was like, yeah, fuck yeah. But no, so nah. he's nah, no, not so like, wrong. The, like the kid was with them. The kid like, tells it how they really are, and, the, and then they say, "No, it's not like that." Yeah, the fact checker calls the band. Like, did this happen? Like, no, did this happen? No. So then, when he gets like, he's in the meeting, and they're like, "Oh, the fact checker says it's all false." So they've said that the truth wasn't the truth. Yeah, I have a fact checker that's just like, "Oh, I'll believe his word over yours." Yeah, exactly. Like, don't call anyone facts. else that was there. <laughs> like, well, she called all the band members. Yeah, but like just anyone else. Guys, do you want some facts? I know the US election was rigged. Donald Trump told me so. <laughs> it's, that, it's the same logic. <laughs> I was like, tr- President Trump said it was. Okay. Yes, it was rigged. Cool. He's huh? never you get lied another term. Um, so Rolling Stone kills the article, crushing William. Anita encounters a dejected William in the airport and offers to take him anywhere. He chooses for them to go to their home in San Diego. Holy rain. Hi, Lachlan. I wonder if the listeners can hear the rain at all. Fun. Let's finish this then. No, it's just get electrocuted throughout ears. Oh, damn. Should be right. All right, well, and then how's the movie end, Kat? So, groupie (laughs) Sapphire chastises Russell for betraying William. Russell calls Penny at her home and wants to meet with her, but she tricks him by giving him William's address. He arrives and finds himself face-to-face with William's mother, who scolds him for his behaviour. Russell apologises to William and finally gives him an interview. Russell has verified William's article to Rolling Stone, which runs it as a cover feature. Penny fulfills her long-standing fantasy to go to Morocco while Stillwater tours again by bus. If anyone's wondering, they can hear that background noise. There's a fuck ton of rain outside. Just yeah, rolled yeah. in. We apologise if the audio quality is um, less. I really like the scene where he comes back to... Um, to William's house and yeah, and his mum and his mum, but he yeah. didn't even think that's where he was. No, because no, he walked in. He got yeah. tricked. Yeah. But yeah. It's, it's Emma. Still yeah, because like, is she home? And Anita's like, like, hi, yeah. <laughs> hello. <laughs> uh, um, so just for a bit of context, the cast. Um, imagine these people twenty years younger. Um, Patrick Fugit as William Miller. Billy Crudup as Russell Hammond, Francis McDormand as William's mum. I didn't mention that Francis McDormand is in this, and she's great as always. Oh, she's phenomenal in this. It's a random phone call she has. Um, Kate Hudson as Penny Lane, or Lady Goodman, as her real name is. What a name. Zoe Deschanel as Anita Miller, <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman as Lester Bangs, and Jimmy Fallon as Dennis Hope. I'm not going to run through the other members yeah. because, like... Yeah. They weren't that important. Yeah, no. One says, I'm gay, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Crow based the character of Penny Lane on the real-life Penny Lane Trumbull and her group of female promoters who called themselves the Flying Garter Girls Group. Um, not, a, not as, not as pun-worthy as Band-Aids. No. Yeah. Um, the character of William's mother, played by Frances McDormand, was based on Crow's own mother, who even showed up on set to keep an eye on him while he worked. <laughs> old was he? I'm not sure. Though he asked his mother not to bond with McDormand, the two women ended up getting along well. Of course they did. Um, and his mum actually plays the part of the teacher handing out the diplomas at the end. He would have been, uh, he was born in 1957, so he would have been at least 40 when he was born. <laughs> <this. laughs> um, oh no. <laughs> the roles of Russell Hammond and Penny Lane were originally offered to... Who do you think? Who was big at the time, guys? Uh, um, Freddie Prince Jr. Guy no, Pierce. no, <laughs> um, you're close though. What? Um, oh, Brad Pitt. Yeah. <laughs> and and for female, you won't get this. Angelina Jolie. No, Sarah uh, Polly. Who the fuck's Who? that? She's a Canadian actress. Okay. But yeah, Brad Pitt. As soon as I read that, I was like, of oh, fucking course. He was half offered of, every single half role. Half of these movies, they offer the role to Brad Pitt and he's like, what is this movie? Sometimes <laughs> yeah. when I feel like it's like they offered him, it's like the thing, it's just like, we should get Brad Pitt for this. And someone's like, yeah, yeah, we'll contact his agent. And then they never do. And, <laughs> and then it's just like, yeah, yeah, we offered it to Brad Pitt and he said no. Or at this well, point when he's at his hype, their agent just filters, his agent yeah, filters out everything that's yeah, exactly. like below, like 
a $50 million budget. Yeah. Well, Pitt left the project because he didn't feel he totally understood the character. <laughs> and Polly thought she would be miscast. But, yeah, they were the two main contenders. There was a massive list for Penny Lane um, and Kate Hudson was actually first cast as William's sister, Anita. But... Um, Only considering Kate Hudson's probably... The best yeah. part of this movie, in my opinion. Yeah. She's very oh, good in 100%. this. Mm. Um, Eggs Newt. So <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I guess because it is, it follows like a fictional band, they have original songs. Um, so Crow and his then wife, musician Nancy Wilson of Heart, co-wrote three of the five Stillwater songs in the film and Frampton wrote the other two with Mike McCready of Pearl Jam playing lead guitar on all of the Stillwater songs, nice. which is pretty cool. Oh yeah, don't mind me a bit of Pearl Jam. Um, I've just got a few random trivia bits. So we like we like that. Yeah. Um, in his 2012 memoir, My Cross to Bear, Greg Allman confirms that several aspects of the movie are directly based on Crow's time spent with the Allman Brothers band. The scene in which Russell jumps from the top of the party house into a pool was based on something Duane Ullman did. Quote, the jumping off the roof into the pool, that was Duane, from the third floor of a place called the Travel Lodge in San Francisco. My brother wanted to do the it again. third floor? <laughs> My brother Fuck. wanted to do it again, but the cat who owned the place came out shaking his fist, yelling at him. We told that story all the time and I have no doubt that Cameron was around for it. Think, um, and you think people jumping off the first story is cool I know. <laughs> Third um, he I suppose that one was into a pool. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> this one is onto concrete. I, I mean, <laughs> I think it does. I mean, it, once you it get to a certain still, height, diffi- yes. water is essentially concrete. You hit it at the right yeah. speed. Third floor. Nah, you got to um, hit terminal velocity for that. He also confirms that he and Dickie Betts played a joke on Crow by claiming clauses in their contract did not allow his story to be published just before he was to deliver it to Rolling Stone. I have a question. Yeah. Which one's Dickie Betts? I think they are all part of the Allman um, Brothers band. That's a great name. Okay. That's yeah. a fucking fantastic name. It's just Allman. Like A L L. No, no, no. Dickie Betts. Dickie Betts. It's like, it's not that special. It's not like Almond or something. Name's probably like actually like Richard. Probably. Dickie Betts. Fuck yes. Just like, um, what was his name? Slim Pickens. Yeah, yeah. What was his real name? Slim Pickens. Yeah, a couple weeks ago. I love it. This next one's a little bit of a sad one. Oh, fuck. So the airplane malfunction. Oh, no. Um, that occurred in the film is actually a reference to the Leonard Skinner airplane crash on October 20, 1977. So I think six people died and I think they were all part of the Leonard Skinner band. Oh. Um, Pilot survive? Yeah, so it was a passenger plane. Oh. And there were, like, there were more people on it, but oh. I think they were the ones that That's unfortunately... Okay, now you said my grin would go away and, yeah, it's fucking yeah, rough. Now, now yeah. Do you feel bad now, Jacob? No, nah, because the gay thing on the other... I mean, it's still a funny, still a funny joke, yeah, so I can still laugh at that, but um, not this bit. During the opening credits, the hand that's writing on the notepad, who do you think that belongs to? I did Brad read Pitt. this. Pardon? Brad Pitt. <laughs> Is it Dickie <laughs> yeah. Betts? No. Kate oh. No. Um. How... It's Cameron Crowe. Oh, oh, right. Yeah. I couldn't Fair remember enough. his name. I was trying to remember the name of anyone in the film and I couldn't. Um, <laughs> I could think of was Dickie Betts. Anyway, yeah. What else have I got? Um, a real mu- musician, Les Harvey, guitarist for Stone the Crows, was actually killed by grabbing a microphone that was not grounded in 1972. Oh, yeah. That was fucked. So there's a, there's a scene in the movie. Yeah, Nick. someone gets electrocuted. Yeah. By yeah. So they're singing and he grabs the microphone and it electrocutes him. So they just walk off stage and they all leave and just they leave the concert halfway through, get in the bus, and the bus drives through the gates and just breaks the gates down to leave. Mm. But like and then like the next thing, his hands all bandaged up, so it like it probably burns him. Oh, yeah. I get fucked in. Well, like, like he was like he stood there and he they were like, what's going on? And then he like stumbled back and then yeah. collapsed. So he got like properly electrocuted through the microphone Shit. because it's the seventies and they don't have the insulation like this does. Yeah. Oh, good. Okay. And like <laughs> we say, with a lightning storm outside. Yeah. But I mean, like the power running through the cable <laughs> and the insulation in this is yeah. nothing compared to what that would have been. Yeah. True. And also, we're not connected to a massive rig. True. Where and a PowerPoint that runs through a box like this. 
Like, yeah. If we got electrocuted, this would die, but we'd all be fine. We would not die. I'm glad. I hope. Cool. Anyway. Anyway, I have one final fact for yes. you. Yes. Better be so, good. Penny Lane asks... I did watch it. <laughs> did you actually? No. Oh. That would have been I good. thought that was your final fact. Oh. That would have been actually like really funny that you would have played it the whole time. And be like, why don't you fucking say something about the movie? <laughs> Holy crap, did that was a big lightning strike. Okay, let's wrap this okay, up, yeah. boys. Yeah, sorry. Holy last fuck. <laughs> Penny Lane asks William if he'd like to go to Morocco with her. He says, yes, ask me again. According to Cameron Crowe, ask me again was... Um, Patrick stepping out of character and asking Kate Hudson to repeat her lines for another take. Crow liked the take as is and kept it in the final cut. That's actually good. And then she does go to Morocco at the end yeah, on her it's own. Nice. But that's good. She's that's, growing. I, I didn't even think about that because when you say it like that, it, it is a bit odd, the ask me again thing. But yeah. it's yeah. kind of just, I mean, he's an, he's an awkward kid in a big, like, in a yeah, really exactly. exciting yeah. experience. So yeah. it was just him trying to be confident, I suppose. Yeah. It was cool though. Huh. The question is, James. Yes, Jacob. Would you watch this film again? I, I absolutely would. This is this has been one of my definitely one of my favourites that that we've watched. I just yeah. it's another one like um like I think Eternal Sunshine where yeah. there's nothing it's funny that it's funny that it's on the list because it doesn't compared to some of the like the epic stories that we get in yeah. the huge productions. It's nothing really crazy. It's just a good plot, yeah. some good performances, great music. Well, it, it won best original screenplay at the Oscars, and I guess writing, it yeah. shows. But yeah, I, I just think it's one of those ones that's more than the sum of its parts. You, yeah. you put a bunch of pretty good things together, but it's a really great film. I think. Yeah. So yes, I would watch it again. The next question. Kat, would you watch this film again? Yeah, I've seen this movie multiple times and oh, I love well. it. Okay then. Yeah. This is my first time. Nicholas, are yeah. you going to <laughs> fucking watch this film? <laughs> you better fucking watch this film. If there wasn't as a thunderstorm, we put it on right now. <laughs> as long as you guys watch Full Metal Jacket, why not? I'm halfway I through. Have. To be fair, like if there wasn't a thunderstorm and James and Kat were like, we'll watch it right now and you would, I would watch it like again yeah. right now. I watched this okay. yesterday and like I'd happily watch it again like yeah. now. Fuck that, I'm going to bed. No, I'm saying like, <laughs> I've been like, like three hours. <laughs> it's good. But yeah, I mean I mean totally I don't know what we're gonna who knows what we're gonna do next week, guys. Yeah. Mm. Jacob, would you watch this again? Yeah, I just said yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would. Um trying so, to take the reins. God damn, James. Sorry. Well it's always awkward if you have to ask yourself yeah, exactly. would I watch it again? <laughs> Jacob. Yes, Jacob. We're just we're just trying to uh, avoid getting uh, electrocuted right now. That should be right. We're just unplugging everything. Yes. So, oh, can you unplug my salt lamp? Please? What we're going to do is because we're all about to die. We're going to skip the final. Yeah, we section. are going to skip um, what we want. We're going to start as well. No, we're talking about the boys next week. Big one next week. <laughs> um, yeah. So we're going to wrap it up right now. Yeah. Because. Fair it's looking There's fucking yeah. lightning we'll everywhere. Tell you two weeks of what we've yeah. been watching. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. So thank you so much for listening. As always, I am Jacob and with me are... I'm Kat. I'm Nick. I'm James. And we'll catch you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Ciao.